Jen. And this is Christine. And, and we are She Nanigans. Thanks for stopping by. Today's podcast is paired with Maine Mule Rum and Ginger. We're from Maine. If you guys haven't tried this, this is an awesome pairing. It's delish. Cheers. Today's podcast is brought to you by Skitscott, a new video-based social media platform that combines the best functionalities of TikTok and Instagram. Skitscott's feature, rich audio and video editor, allows its users to create videos up to one minute long. The platform allows its users to use augmented reality filters, picture-in-picture, -picture, layered audio, and other editing tools found only in costly movie production rooms to express themselves in a short video. Jen and I have downloaded this, and we love it. Our kids love it. It's a great it. app. It is. And so download, rate, and review Skitscott. Yeah, we love Skitscott. So we're so excited to have our friend, my lifelong friend, Steve Pellerin, here with us today. Hi, Steve. Hey. Hi, Steve. Thanks and I'm, for coming. I'm not going to let this pass without talking about this. So, yeah. <laughs> Steve has no filter. <laughs> so we just did 19 minutes of pure gold. It was gold. hilarious. It was heartfelt. People Witty. laughed. People cried. And then Christine <laughs> looked down at the damn machine and said, this is none of that recorded. <laughs> so everything you hear from now on is fake. And now we're drunk. And, and we're, we're just repeating things we already said. But this time drunk. <laughs> <laughs> we might have been already before. <laughs> so Steve. Tell, <laughs> tell us about Steve Pellerin. Tell us about tell Steve Tell us your Pellerin. life. Tell us where you work. Tell us something. You. Tell us something good. <laughs> tell us something good. All right. I am a 55-year-old gay man. Love the gays. Love the gays. And I am the vice president of a healthcare human service company that I've been at for actually next week. I'm receiving my 30-year award wow. at, my, at, my, at my company. Yeah. And you look 45. It's longer than any relationship any of us could ever I'll tell you. I, I always say I started there as a fetus. I've also worked there too several times and I do love where my American training people at. Yay. Shout out. So yes, and actually that brings us to how I met Jen. Jen was a, she was a <laughs> fresh-faced journalism student, 19 years old when she came to work for American Training with a bouffant blonde hairdo <laughs> and, and frosted Doors Day makeup. Hot. I don't even know how I would picture that. Doris you don't remember Day. The, the frosted makeup years? Oh, no, I do, but Doris Day. Oh, I had oh, like... She had her little updo, like a Laura Petri flip. I know, yeah, yeah. No, that I remember, but saying Doris Day Oh, it was lips. very Doris Day. Yeah, yeah, very Doris Day. Like Eyeshadow. Sandy from Greece, if... Yeah. The with pastel. Shimmer. The Sandy before she yes. puts the leather outfit on. Before she was badass. <laughs> Pre-whore. Pre-whore Sandy. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. All right. <laughs> so Jen and I met then and we just clicked. And I think we've been very close friends ever since. I mean, I have, we can sort of talk about some of this, but I have very little family connection and Jen has always been a member of my family. Yes. Steve is my brother. Yeah. And we actually lived together for a couple of years there. Yes. Yep. Yep. In when we both, after we had both gone through breakups. Yeah, yeah terrible breakups. Uh -huh. Terrible breakups. Future episodes of Tragedy Porn Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> terrible breakups, episode five. Yes. Oh my God, that's, yeah. We just talked a little bit about that. So tell me or tell us one circumstance that sort of changed that your path. That I don't really feel like it's one circumstance really changes your past. I think there's multiple circumstances. And Jenna gave me some of these questions in advance, so I prepped a little bit about what I would think about these things. But one of the things I believe, like I said, I look at myself now and say I am philosophically a different person. I look for harmony now. I want no drama. I studied Eastern philosophy, and I believe in this concept of wa, like really having harmony in your life. 
and I don't like any kind of agitation to disturb you. But back in my younger days, I really liked change. Change was the motivating factor, and I would like to do things that change my life. You actually had a saying for that. If you're not challenging yourself, you're not like cha- changing. Yeah. Yes, you yeah. used to say that all the time. Yeah, so I, I really believed in like doing change. So, I mean, I got married in college. I was engaged. I got engaged to a girl I started dating in college, and I was married for many, many years. And then at 30, I decided I was not being my authentic self. I had been upfront with my ex-wife in regards to the fact that I had attraction to men, but I felt that like I was bisexual. And I actually was just off mic talking to Christine about the fact that, you know, I felt like I was raised by a very traditional family. It was the 80s. and uh, Irish Catholic. Irish Catholic. Well, no, Polish Catholic. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you know that. I did know that. So the Irish twins is kind yeah. of Polish uh, Yeah, twins. Polish Catholic. And I really just wanted everything that I thought went with marriage, kids and the, and the wife and whatever. So I, I didn't come out young. I, I sort of didn't. And and I thought I could be happy. I thought, you know, I'm, yeah, I like, I, listen, I slept, with, I slept with a lot of girls in high school. I slept with girls in college. I said, <laughs> this is cool. I can do this. Well, and um, I think back in that time, it wasn't like it is now. No, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't yeah. like a horrible thing, but it wasn't like it is now. Right. So I got married. And then when I hit, started to approach 30, I was desperately lonely in a very strange way. I was describing- lonely in a relationship. Yeah. Which is- I mean, and I loved my, I loved my wife. She, and I said, she's funny. She was hilarious. She was, you know- a, Spitfire. A, yeah. She's a four foot 10 Spitfire. Always looking to fight. I mean, she was, she was, she was something. <laughs> Sounds fun. Yeah. Yeah. And I, so the best story about Mary Beth, this will characterize who she is. So she doesn't like kids and she's a teacher. Um, <laughs> funny enough, but we were out to dinner when we were dating and there was a kid at the next table, like banging a spoon and just being a douche like kids are. <laughs> yeah. And so he took a glass, full glass of Coke, which we're probably in New Hampshire. That's why I had a glass of Coke as a toddler. And, um, <laughs> He threw it onto the floor. The Coke shattered everywhere, all over her legs, all over her feet. And the mother leaned over and said, if it's any consolation, he'll get a spanking when we get home. And Mary Beth said, it'll be a consolation if I get to do it. <laughs> so that's how she was. She's, she is funny. Yeah, she's hilarious. At 30, I just, I was unhappy. She recognized that I was unhappy and we were driving home. We had season tickets to the ballet. We were driving home from a ballet. How did she not know I was gay? We were born in the ballet. <laughs> All um, the time. Season tickets. <laughs> and she said, you just seem really unhappy. And I was explaining to her that I felt like I wasn't myself and I felt like I was living life muffled and blah, blah, blah. And she said, are you gay? And I said, yes. So we made an adult decision at that point to separate. And I, again, I attribute the fact that we really worked very hard to co-parent. I had a young son. We had just had a son he was born in um, June the previous year, so he wasn't even a year old. We, you know, made a commitment to co-parent, and and she had a you know she had a pride sticker on her car. She's always been super supportive, oh. and and in regards to that kind of stuff, and she was great. I mean, yeah. I lived around the corner from her. I didn't want to live in the town she lived in, but I didn't want to be away from my son. And we had joint custody, and overall, did a fairly successful job. Absolutely, hey. Liam's a great guy, and I think it's so rare that. People can co-parent. Not rare, but it's it's great that you guys are able to co-parent together. Well, and, and, and it wasn't always easy because we have very different parenting philosophies. Yes. I think there are two parenting philosophies out there. So I, I have a saying about everything and I have a philosophy about everything. So <laughs> just bear with that. So my philosophy is always, I think it's a parent's job to, people have bumps in the road. And our job as a parent, I think, is to teach a kid how to get over those bumps. Mary Beth thought her job was to smooth the bumps out for him. Right. So we were always sort of battling those two different philosophies, you know, where Anytime he had a problem in school, she thought it's the teacher's fault and we got to fix the teacher. And I always sort of looked at Liam and said, what are you doing, you lazy shit? It's your (laughs) fault, you know? So we we definitely had combating parenting. That's so true. And I think that happens so much in parenting that the two parents are on usually other ends of the spectrum with that. Like a mom is very usually nurturing and 
maternal and wants to... Well, and my, my ex-wife has a PhD in education. She's a teacher. She's somebody who mentally always wants to roll her sleeves up and fight. So she was always ready to go bat, to go to battle for Liam at school. Like with teachers. With and- teachers, with the administration, with everybody. And sometimes it wasn't their fault. It was his fault. I remember and, those yeah, years. Yeah. And you fighting. Yes, yes. And saying, Liam, you have to take some accountability right, for this. Right, 100%. Right. And so. I think we have to do that with our kids. I mean, I'm of the philosophy. I'm a little bit more close to your side of it. I think that kids need to figure things out themselves sometimes. You can't smooth. Otherwise, they won't have any coping skills. Right. right which is the last generation. So, you know, so that sort of coming out story and, you know, I, off mic, Christine was asking me sort of about coming out. And I mean, to me, you don't come out once. You come out all the time. I have to come out all the time. I live my life. Obviously, I'm married. I, you know, I'm with a long-term partner who's the, I've been with him for 20 years. He's the most wonderful person. And I'm not somebody who believes in soulmate, but he is truly my soulmate. But I still have to come out all the time. I mean, I work at a company. Whenever we hire somebody new, I have to make sure I sort of beat them to the punch about acknowledging that I'm a gay man before they say something that they're going to regret. And that's happened on more than one occasion. I might have told Jen the story, but so my hair is my thing. I'm super (laughs) serious. You asked about the headphones. Super serious about my hair. Shout out to Donnie Smith at Classic Barbers up in uh, Kittery, Maine. Does my hair. It's awesome. But so I I get a haircut every two weeks um, and my hair is a big deal. So when a barber, I was was going to a barber in town and they closed. So I had to go to like a clip joint until I found a new barber. And I'm at the clip joint and you don't even think about this, but I'm sitting in the chair and, you know, it's this, you know, old schmo in a smock cutting my hair (laughs) and saying, so what do you do for work? You know, clip, clip, clip. And then he's like, you married? And I'm like, yep. And then he's like, oh, you know, it's more chit chat. And then he goes, what do your wife do for a living? And I have to say, I don't have a wife. I have a husband. I have a husband. And then he goes, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm fine with that. I'm good with that. I'm like, I'm glad. I wasn't asking. <laughs> I'm glad that you're good with that. So those coming out moments happen all the time. Thank God, because you have a pair of shears. <laughs> right, right. But so you just, I have to come out repeatedly. Well, and that's what we were talking about off mic, because I asked how you came out to Mary Beth, because I feel like it has to be so hard in general. Like my brother is married to a man, and he didn't come out until he was 30, I think, yeah, or and I, and later. I, said, I took the safe route, too. Like I said, I could have, you know self-deprecating. I could have been brave in high school and lived in as an authentic gay man, but I didn't. I waited until I was 30 years old. And I waited till, like I said, I sort of give a speech about, you know, I could do everything for myself at that point. I lived on my own. I was self-sufficient. I could do everything. I didn't need anybody. So if anybody rejected me, it was on them. I didn't need them. It was fine. Yeah. And you wanted that life, right? Yeah. You wanted to be married for a while and have a child, but mm-hmm. I can only imagine, I mean, you were, I think, fortunate enough to have a wife that was understanding and you were up front and told her from the beginning. But I know- a few people now who got married and their their wives don't know. It was still and, hard. I mean, I can't. I don't oh, want to. Yeah. Min- I don't want to minimize her pain. I mean, she thought. Yeah. Like anybody who's divorced, Christine, mm-hmm. um, you think you have it figured out. You know, you think you get married and you got. I know what my life is going to be. I know I'm going to grow old with this person. I, and and that was her You're biggest. You're optimistic, thing. right? Her yeah. biggest thing was like, oh my god, my whole life is now not that. Right. You know, and right. I think that is difficult. So I think you know divorcing and coming out was a formative experience. And the other formative experience, so I can get in on the tragedy point of the podcast, um, was... Um, By the way, you don't have to tell a sad story to be on the I podcast. feel like you do. They yeah. do. Just so anybody who knows future guests, they make you tell a horrible tragic story. Um, so my... With an inappropriate laugh. You have to lighten it up, though. Before I was with my wife and, and my whole grown-up life, the closest person in my life was my brother, my brother Billy. He was 14 months older than me. We were Irish twins. We dressed alike. Polish. He was my, he was my best friend. We shared a room together. He was the best man at my wedding. And he tragically died of cancer uh, two years after I got married. He had um, squamous. Squamous cell. Squamous cell carcinoma. 
cancer of the tongue. And he went through a tragic surgery where they split his face open from forehead to chest, grafted a shoulder muscle to cut to replace the tongue that they cut out. They cut out his palate and his mm-hmm. tongue. And then they sent him home with a tracheotomy. And, and how old was he? Uh, he was 27. And they sent him home to my parents and he had his own house. He had a condo at that point, but he went to stay with my parents and he coughed and blew his trachea out and bled to death in my parents' bathroom. Oh my God. So that was tough. And I, you know, I sort of have talked about, and I talk about it a lot, but I never grieved that. I mean, I sort of had to be the strong one and I didn't cry and I sort of dealt with it and in the idea of moving forward and we went and cleaned his apartment out. When you're a single guy, it's always good to have somebody go clean your porn out before your parents come to your apartment. (laughs) So, you know, doing that kind of stuff. Um, So you were that guy. This is magazine days porn. Yeah, but you were that guy for your brother. Yeah, I was that guy. Yeah, somebody's got to do that for me. Um, (laughs) I'll do that. (laughs) It's all digital though. (laughs) Erase the file. Erase it. (laughs) So, you know, I I didn't grieve and I I look at that as one of the big regrets of my life because I, I, you know, now... I continue to grieve his death. You know, it's it's something I trip across all the time. I have dreams about him. You know, I think about him a lot. And it's because I didn't grieve at the time. So right. I, I really suggest that, you know, people deal with what's happening when it's happening because putting it off doesn't help. Right. And I, we've talked about this before too, but it is a pile on. Like if you don't grieve, it just keeps piling on. And that comes out like as you've talked about too, like – you can't stop crying sometimes. Or, that, was in the last, that was in the last podcast I we recorded. <laughs> I so I was I'm telling sorry. a story about how when I was going through my divorce, at one point, she was crying and I just started crying. And I couldn't, I, I honestly feel like I cried for maybe a day and a half. And I was like, I think I might need to be hospitalized. Like, I don't think I <laughs> can I admit stop. myself? And it was all of that. It was, I was crying about all of that stuff. Right. Because so, you never, you never Because really I never grieved. dealt with it. Right. I never right. dealt with it. Right. Well, that, I've known you for... I mean, I met you when Jennifer, yeah. and I only found out today that you had a brother. You don't talk about it. No, no I mean, and so the credo with Jen and I is there's nothing you can't laugh about, nothing you can't make fun of. Right, we, dark humor. Yeah, we make fun of everything. And the other thing we always say is don't let the truth get in the way of a good story, so we embellish as well. Yeah. But most of my family is dead, so. <laughs> Wait, earlier, Jen, you said, are we talking about your dead brother? Right. I did. Right. And so when I, we, we will, you know, you'll meet people and they'll say, oh, your family, well, most of my family's dead. Right. <laughs> so I do have very little family left. But I will say that was another formative experience in my life is I am a kind of person that, I mean, I look and say, do people add things to my life? And if they don't, then I don't really suffer fools. So 20 or so years ago, I was with uh, my partner at the time and we had been together for a long-term relationship. Jen knew him as well. Yeah. And we broke up. It was tragic. He got, I have more tragic. I got, I could be on this podcast four times. He, <laughs> he had, he ended up with terminal cancer. He had he the same kind, of, same kind of cancer Jen's mom had. Yes. Another Ron episode Hodgkins. of tragedy porn. Um, Ron Hodgkin's on phone. Right. But he got, he had an experimental treatment. He got well, but he never recovered in a, as a full person. And we ended up breaking up. And I remember calling my mother who, my, you know, my mother didn't accept the gay thing particularly well. She always called it my situation. And you can't see, but I'm making air quotes. Um, <laughs> Steve, Steve's situation. <laughs> So my mother, just quickly, my mother was like Martha Stewart, but less warm. (laughs) (laughs) Less less real, less authentic, less warm. Yeah. (laughs) So my mother didn't want anybody to think anything was ever wrong, blah, blah, blah. I was the only one in the family to ever get divorced. So being divorced was bad enough. So when I called her to tell her that this person that she had had at her house every Saturday and every holiday, and we were a couple and blah, 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 to say that we were breaking up, she went, well, your life's not turning out very well. And I went, (laughs) God. She's right. That's not a good reaction. So I said, I'm going to take some time. And I didn't talk to her for a week or two. And I called her back and said, you know, what you said to me really hurt me. I was going through a difficult time. I'm reaching out to you, which isn't easy for me to tell you about, you know, a, a, a tragic circumstance. And that's your response. And her response at that time was, well, I was only telling the truth. 
So I never spoke to her again after that. So Ever? Ever again. Wow. She died, didn't go to her funeral. Wow. And and my mother was such a, a a type of woman that she didn't allow anybody else in my family to speak to me. When I stopped talking to her, she made sure nobody else spoke to me. So I never spoke to my father again. I never spoke to my mother. Both my parents passed away. I never spoke to them. I have a sister that I still haven't spoken to. I have an older brother who also died, lung cancer, mesothelioma. And oh, fun. Yeah, fun. <laughs> <laughs> And Sorry. I never spoke to him again. So there is one sister that I have reconnected with over the years. But uh, Holy shit. Yeah, it's something, huh? <laughs> I know. It's just like an onion peel, right, Steve Pellerin? Oh, my. You, how you, I how did I not know you this, You want to know a great though? story? This is another great story. Illustrated story of my mother. So we used to go to this dentist when we were kids, Dr. Brother. Don't shout out to Dr. Brother. He tried to date my teenage sister when he got a divorce. Ew. Um, ew. Ew, David. But. So, oh, his name was David. <laughs> oh. But. So he would call my mother by her first name. My mother's name was Jane. He'd be like, hey, Jane, how you doing, Jane? So she started calling him by his first name. Oh, David, I'm fine, David. And he said to her, most people call me Dr. Brother. And she said, well, most people call me Mrs. Pellerin. (laughs) (laughs) That was Warm. Yeah, (laughs) super warm. Super warm. Oh, my God. Another question for you, Steve. What is your interpretation of happiness? Is it, do you think it's nature versus nurture? And how do you deal with like a shitty hand? And you've had many shitty hands. I mean, I, again, I've, I've poked fun at both Jen and Christine about some of the optimistic cliche parts of the podcast. But I have to say, I truly believe that you are responsible for your own happiness. I don't think that I'm a big believer, partly maybe because of the grief situation. But, you know, one of the questions you had on your list was my life philosophy. I believe in authenticity. I believe I am myself. 100%, 100%, whether people like it, like or, not, it or not, 100%. This, is, this is me. One of the things, so I work with folks with mental illness, I work with folks that are mental health, autism, and I am the same with them as I am with everybody else. I'm sarcastic, yes. I'm fresh, I am me. It's, it's, fresh. The, it's the Henry Higgins, my fair lady rule of manners. I treat everybody the same. Yes. So I believe in being authentic. So I think that one of the things I look at is you, you have to truly sort of like embrace every moment and, and be true to yourself about it. Like, you know, so if I have Christmas spirit tomorrow, I will... F- delve into that and experience it, not say, well, it's not Christmas, so I can't feel like that. You know what I mean? I think really trying to embrace the moment you're in. And I have a big sort of beef with like a lot of social media stuff, to be honest with you. Like, I think a lot of people live their life on social media that's not real. And to me, I'd rather like- Fake book. uh, Fake book. (laughs) I'd rather like experience the moment really and and remember those moments. When I'm out walking my dog, I mean, I'm lucky enough to live in an absolutely beautiful community. And I walk by a waterfront with beautiful sunrise with my dog. And I remember those moments and sort of savor them and sit on them and and really own them because I think that's how you get happiness. That is very true. Living in the present and taking in the memory and not having to take a picture. I mean, we've now become a society of doing that. Mm -hmm. And it it is sad in many ways and kind of Like don't document your life, live your life. But I will say the flip side of that is I'm grateful now for the memories that pop up and to see those pictures that are captured that – I have somewhere yeah. in another phone, on yeah. a hard drive somewhere or whatever, <laughs> who knows where. And to have those memories pop up, I do love yes, that. Yes, that is. Because we were just positive. saying like my mom and I, I have like- I'm distracted right now because Christine seems to have a bar stamp on the back of her hand. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we do. Oh, same. All right. We, we made, All right, we just, made some okay. poor life choices last <laughs> night. Right, yeah. Just when we go to places that you get a stamp on your hand. <laughs> yeah, so okay. What kind of places do that? I don't even want to talk about it. We'll okay. talk about it off, oh my off God. mic. <laughs> it's called- Hampton, Hampton Beach. Beach. Oh, <laughs> old school. Oh, Poor yeah. Life choices. Oh, yeah. The place. Uh-huh. So when you're talking about happiness, I think that's it. I mean, in Jen and I, so Jen and I, typically, when Jen doesn't move up to Maine for the summer, we run every morning and it's basically therapy It is for therapy. Us. And, and then we just talk about stuff. And I think we talk about all the time, like, 
I am in an incredibly successful marriage, but that's because I work every day and he works every day at it. And if you don't work, if you put the work off that day, you just got to do it twice as hard the next day. That's absolutely so, right. I love that. So I think you have to make your own happiness. You absolutely do. And if you're not happy with a part of your life, you have to make a decision yeah. and change it. And you're the only person who can do right. that. So one of the other things Jen said is about old-timey phrases. So I have a vernacular that I speak in all the time of old-timey phrases. Another one is people would rather curse the darkness than turn on the light. So there's a lot of people that... <laughs> Just want to sit there. Need and a book. You know, yeah. Sit there book. and complain. You know, and blah blah blah. All right, if you're not happy, make a change. Right. Yeah. Like yep. change, do something. Change, change yourself. Change your marriage. I mean, whatever it is. I mean, I do think people give up sometimes when things get bumpy, and and life is about there are bumps all the time, mm-hmm. and you do have to work at it. You work at and nobody how has to get a perfect marriage or relationship. Just, well, what's the phrase? Jen uses a really off-color phrase that I find super distasteful. <laughs> wow. What is it? Jen says something distasteful? <laughs> yeah. Because you, 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 you know, I, I, like, I don't like the word asshole used anatomically. I don't I have, either. No, I know. But I, you know that's one of the things I don't like. But no. you also say, people, she always says people on either Instagram or Facebook, shit chocolate ice cream. And, oh, and yes. orgasm every time. Oh, yeah. Like there are certain people out there that are like, oh, my God, I am, I have a perfect marriage. I come every time. Um, I shit chocolate, chocolate ice cream. <laughs> and, oh, my God, everything's wonderful all the time. It's not. That's not true. Right. That's right. not true. What is something you absolutely love about your life right now? I love where I live. I mean, and again, I'm, I'm so I'm 55. I'm so I'm old, but I know at this point that I know what I need. You know what I mean? To be happy. I need to be by the water. I need to be in a place that's walkable with a downtown so I can experience that. Shout out to Newburyport. Shout out to Newburyport. The best place. Yeah. I mean, but you know, it wouldn't just be Newburyport. Like, you know, I'm maybe 10, 15 years away from retirement, but I don't know. This sounds, I, I love Portsmouth. I was just saying at work the other day that I love Portland. And I don't know if you've been to Portland lately. Many times, oh, yeah. But somebody told me it's gone downhill. Somebody said he was out for breakfast and a guy offered him a hooker. And he said, I'll have eggs. <laughs> I was thinking eggs, but thanks. <laughs> COVID was tough in Portland. <laughs> so I don't know. Like, Port- how was that offered? He was walking to go to breakfast to a diner. And some guy had a woman and said, do you want her? And he said, no, bacon. It's a little early for me. I was, thinking, I was me. thinking over easy with a <laughs> side of toast. Cakes and eggs. <laughs> Not a side of hooker. <laughs> Not a side of hooker. <laughs> okay, we'll leave that there. <laughs> That's the other thing. So, I mean, the other thing is I don't buy into like, you need this, you need that. So uh, at 55, I am, we are financially stable, my husband and I, but we don't own a house because we never really wanted to at this point. So we rent a home in Newburyport next door to uh, someone who was a close friend who Jen introduced me to many, many years ago. So that's lovely. Misty feels. Misty feels. (laughs) Yeah. So we don't buy into that either. You know, we sort of do what we do. We, we love to vacation. So vacation is kind of our thing. And I like to travel like a child. So I go on vacation and I don't plan anything. I don't know what time it is. I don't do anything. <laughs> Nelson has all the documents. <laughs> Nelson like, checks. Yeah. He checks me in at the airport. And I love perks. You love perk perks. me in. That's exactly how she perk. travels too. Yeah, love a perk. Where's my passport? Where's my oh, boarding dude, we pass? Have the, we have the red folder. Nelson has a red folder. <laughs> everything goes in. What time do we fly? <laughs> Where are we going? Where do we stand? What do we do? <laughs> Where do we look? What have you learned, Steve, in the past year and a half through this pandemic about yourself? Well, for me, the pandemic's been great. <laughs> I am somebody that doesn't need people, to be honest with you. I a lot am, of people died, so. <laughs> well, I know that was terrible. But I am somebody who doesn't need people. I mean, I, I have a quote that I always think of, it makes me sound so pretentious, and I apologize. But there's a quote by, 
There's a quote by Cicero, who was a Roman um, senator and philosopher, who says, if you have a library and a garden, you have everything. I have a library and a garden. So I am content with myself. I read books. I have a rich inner life. I draw. I paint. I write in a garden journal. I do a lot of old men weird things. I love my garden. So I don't need people. So this wasn't a hardship sort of in that respect to me. And Nelson and I are our own best friends. We love each other's company more than anybody else's. So we're sort of always happy to be together. I don't like drama, that whole harmony thing. I don't like drama. And I was just in a work before I did this recording. I was at work. And there's a certain sector of people that are sort of getting off on the drama of COVID in some ways. And I get it. It's terrible. But I'm vaccinated, you know, and get vaccinated. That's, you know, you take care of yourself, you get vaccinated. But there are a certain segment of people that, oh my God, everybody needs to wear a face mask. And if you're not wearing a face mask, then you don't care about your fellow man and, you know, blah, blah, blah. In New Report, there was a lot of that. Like you'd be out walking your dog outdoors, not near anybody at six in the goddamn morning. Yeah, we and you, run every morning. And I got some fucking Side Karen out. across the street <laughs> yelling at me saying, you don't have a mask on. Really? I said, I am not near you. I am not six feet. And I have no intention of being six feet near you. <laughs> Wait, I have to say that was very anticlimactic and I feel a little let down because you said this is going to sound pretentious. So I was waiting the Cicero, for some- The Cicero quote, I think, sounds pretentious. No. No. Okay. I love Cicero. <laughs> Shout out to Cicero. And a Shout library and a garden. listening. Yeah. <laughs> right? Well, so that's the other thing. So this shows you about Nelson and I in social. So we have a we have a house with two extra rooms, okay? So we have a living room, dining room, kitchen, whatever. We got two extra rooms upstairs. One is a library, and the other one, Nelson has turned into a 1950s, mid-century modern madman room with like all his vinyl collection and records. I love it. Not a guest room in sight. Nope. <laughs> Nobody no stays guess. at our house. And when when you come over for dinner, <laughs> Nelson starts cleaning up at 8:30. <laughs> and he's like, "You're out, right?" <laughs> Takes your plate away. It's time to go. <laughs> and then he looks at the door like a Labrador. <laughs> I'll walk you out. So you are so comfortable in so many situations. Tell me a time when you were completely out of your comfort zone. Well, I mean, I, you and I have talked about this, Jen. As I get older, I feel like I'm getting autistic or something. And I'm, <laughs> I have more social anxiety when I'm in bigger social situations. I mean, I, I basically talk for a living. I mean, I, I am a vice president, but I do a lot of public speaking and I do a lot of talking at work. And I sort of can sell anything, you know, if I believe in it. I'm super passionate and I can right. talk well about anything. But I find myself as I get older more and more sort of socially awkward because I don't have a filter anymore. So a typical a typical scenario. <laughs> anymore? You so, did have one? Well. No. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe I no, did. I mean, it's, it's definitely. Right, so Jen and I have this thing where they, we have these friends in town that have a lovely home and they would throw sort of fancy parties. And inevitably, midway into the party, it's Jen and I in a corner by yeah. ourselves because we've said something offensive to yeah. somebody. <laughs> so we have people walk <laughs> and they, away. And, and we think we're, we always say, we're funny, we're right? We're funny, right? <laughs> and we'll say something and they walk away going, Okay. All right. You too. Yeah, and then you. so it's us. And so it's, it's like, us. why don't we just right. hang out with each right. other? Forget right. it. There you go. And the only ones that, like, I mean, we well, we've never been to a party since. No. And both <laughs> your husband and my husband have a similar quality in some ways of yes. being an acquired taste and they say exactly, <laughs> saying exactly what they feel, you know? Yep. So, yeah. It's familiar. Yeah. I love both of your husbands. <laughs> dearly. Yes. So tell me an unreasonable fear of yours. Snakes. You know, you don't even have to ask. I scream like a girl. Oh my God. We've been on, we'll be I'm, running. I can't tell you how many runs we've been on. Oh my God. Dead, alive, doesn't matter. Yeah. Snake skin. Screams. Screams. <laughs> can't stand matter. him, hate him. And how about like two pet peeves? In authenticity, I have a real problem with like phonies. I just, I really, really have a problem with that. I don't, I don't know, like, and I don't want to, again, you can edit this stuff out, but like (laughs) some of the mothers in town and people who 
want to pretend that their life is great. We all have shit. Everybody does. Everybody. And I and I certainly, I truly believe that you never know what somebody's going through. Like, you know, everybody sort of makes these judgments about other people's marriages and stuff. And you never know what people are going through. Right. But people who are out there every second saying, everything is great. I have a, a friend of mine at work, Lemon Meringue. We share stories about our kids. And maybe, I don't know if you're like this. I don't, we haven't talked enough. But these parents are like, oh, my kid's in AP history. And he knows what he wants to do. He's going to be a doctor. And he's doing this and that. I didn't have that kid. My kid struggled. He struggled with depression. He struggled with anger. He struggled in school. And it was sort of depressing to hear over and over from parents or read on Facebook about parents with their kids doing so great and are so wonderful. And, and the oh sports, my God, they're amazing. The sports is like, oh. like well, it's so competitive now, yeah. like everything. And you have to take those AP classes to be the ones that can get into the better college. Like everything's just so competitive. But I'm the first to say, if my kid's an asshole, call my kid out, one. Two, they all can be assholes. My kid does take AP history. Oh. <laughs> Colin, but you don't talk about it. Colin does, right? But you don't even know that. But one of my other kids will definitely not take it. Well, it seems like there's become a narrative out there. And, and actually, my son is a pretty articulate kid. I mean, he's God knows got his issues. He's going through a divorce. That's, God. That I didn't said, get recorded. He, he's, and you have a lovely daughter-in-law. No, not anymore. Um, <laughs> that was a surprise. Whatevs. I was like, but, oh, God. <laughs> but, it was terrible. Liam is very self-actualized. He sort of, and I admire him in so many ways because- as I am so reserved, like Jen hugged me on the way in, made me uncomfortable. You hug me, it makes me uncomfortable. My kid tells his friends he loves them all the time. He oh. hugs them. He tells them he loves them. He's just out there in a way that I never Thank was. God. And I think that's amazing. Right? Yeah, he God. tells you. I mean- I know. Yeah, it's he's nice. just a, he's a great kid in that regard. But he also is somebody who sort of calls people out on their bullshit. And he, I remember him in high school saying, you know, all these kids are sitting there saying, I know I'm going to college for this. And Liam's like, I don't know what I want to do. Right. He goes, I, I think they're full of shit. And I said, they are everybody's full of shit. You just fake it till you make it, you know? Yeah. And I think he couldn't do that. He could never fake it. No. He never will fake it. You know what the best thing about him too? He always fought for the underdog. Oh. Always, since he was the only a little time kid. He ever, the only time he ever got detention was when he stuck up for a kid that was getting bullied and he got oh. in a fight. Other yep. than that, yeah. He, that I mean, that says a lot about your parenting. Yeah. I mean, so well, brag about that shit. Well, I mean, I you think, know me with Molly. Like, people will say- <laughs> she, she doesn't let anybody brag about Molly. No, people say, Molly's this, Molly's this. Don't, Don't jinx say it. it. Don't, because- like, I just feel like something, anything could happen to change to change it. Well, so, I mean, she's par. She's par. <laughs> she's par. But I do think the whole parent competitive, like, it just, like, our parents were off working. They weren't at right. our events. They didn't go to school events. No. no. They weren't at games. They weren't at anything. They barely knew what we were in class. <laughs> and now they didn't know we were not in class most yeah. of the time. And you. now it's like, it's such like helicopter hovering, it's you know. Too much. And then it's keeping up with the Joneses and everyone's mm -hmm. got to, and it's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not. I will say COVID was good for that. It was a bit of a yeah. reset for these, for crazy schedules. And like, it, it just got out of hand with the nonsense and the scheduling, the sports. It's like, my kid plays maybe like two sports a year. Like it's, it's really a selfish thing too. Well, and like, I also think that it's important for kids to occupy themselves and yes, have free yeah. time. Like we did imaginative play and we did, you know, things on our own or just went out and play. I mean, played with again, other kids. My, my dead brother was my best friend and we played like Hot Wheels and Cops and Robbers and you know we played in the neighborhood when you were all 20, the time. Which is not <laughs> well, yeah. which is not politically correct. <laughs> what? We probably played Cowboys kidding. and Indians too. It's okay. It's what we did. 
We were talking about Nana phrases earlier. Oh, yeah. Not okay. just my Nana, but Nana phrases. Well, Jen's Nana, who I think should have her own podcast episode, yes. says a lot I said of that things. Too. Yeah. Says a lot of inappropriate. She's ninety. So one yeah. of her comments about me and my people is, "Oh my God, the gays! They're such a loyal people. They're a loyal people. <laughs> they're loyal. <laughs> like people. golden. You're lucky to have Steve as a friend. The gays are so loyal. So loyal. Yes. yes. Before resting bitch face was a thing, my Nana oh my used God, to say. She has a face like a spanked ass. I use it constantly. <laughs> face like a spanked ass. And that was her, you know, yeah. resting bitch face. Yeah. Uh, ones I say that nobody knows, and my mother would say these things, is if wishes were horses, beggars would ride. And everyone's like, what? Wait, what is that again? If wishes were horses, beggars would ride. And this tells you a little bit about my mother's parenting philosophy, because basically she's like, you don't get what you wish for. If everybody got what they wish for, everybody would be happy, and that would suck. <laughs> also, so stop wishing. another one you use a lot is... Don't chew your cabbage twice. Oh, don't chew your cabbage twice. Which again, what I does can't that believe- mean. Don't make the same mistake twice. Yeah, don't and, chew and your I also cabbage. Don't repeat my, like I nothing. I would never me- eat cabbage twice, though. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> nothing makes me crazier than people saying what. And Jen's yeah. husband is deaf as a haddock, <laughs> so he says what all the time. And I, I, I don't chew my cabbage twice. I already said it. I'm not saying it again. <laughs> same. I'm just like nothing. <laughs> Walk away. <laughs> I know, like life is uncertain, and we never know where things are going, but what are you certain of in life? I mean, my marriage is absolutely 100% rock solid. And I know that sounds trite and everybody's like, oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. But It took you, you know, a long time to get here, it, right? Three, well, I have a whole philosophy about that if you'd like to hear. Yes. Listen, monogamy was designed when people got married at 15 and died at 30. How hard was that? Married at 15. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Yeah. How hard was that? You know, <laughs> that's, good run. that's no fucking life commitment. You're going to die at 30, 35, whatever. <laughs> So I do not believe that we are designed as a people to be with the same person. Very few people are going to be with the same person from 12 20 to, to 50, 60, 70, 80. So I used to believe in the idea of the marriage contract. It was my whole thing that I had. Where yes. You could get married and sign up for two, seven, 10 year contracts. And in that contract, you'd specify how things were going to be divided, custody arrangements, everything. And the, it had an expiration date. And at the end of it, you'd say two years, great. Let's decide we're going to separate. We're going to go our separate ways. We all know how it's going to happen. And this was a two-year successful marriage. I don't look at any of my past relationships as failures. They might have gone on too many years, but for the most part, they were successful relationships. We as a society define divorce as failure. I think if we had more realistic expectations about, okay, we part ways. That was a success. Great. Or you decide, let's re-up. You know, we're going to re-up our contract. <laughs> I'm going to sign up for seven Let's more renew. years. Let's renew. Is there so, some incentive there with the bo- like a bonus? Yeah, maybe you get like some kind of bonus. <laughs> but so I, I think that it's hard to say. But yeah, at, on my third try, I look now and say I, but because I know what it takes to make a relationship successful. Like I said, it's work every single day. And if you don't do the work, you got to do it harder the next day. That's and, very true. You know, and another one of my phrases that I use all the time is when people tell you who they are, listen to them. A lot of times we convince ourselves of other things and try and sublimate, I'm looking pointedly at Christine, um, <laughs> sublimate sort of what we think. And you come up with rational, we all do it. You come up with a rationalization or, you know, Jen and I have had conversations. And again, it can be another podcast episode about one of her past relationships. We learn to exist on crumbs. You think, I love this person so much. So oh I'll my God, take nothing. Oh my God. They, they said I was cute yesterday. So that I'm going to live on that for a week, yeah. you know, and that's not how it should be. So I think in, when you figure out who you are and again, be able to be a self-actualized, self-sustaining person, you become a better partner and you sort of know what you want. And like I said, the, uh, Nelson and I have what I consider a parallel relationship. We don't have the same interests. We don't necessarily do all the same things, but we run alongside each other, you right. know, and we're, we're there. So I love Maya Angelou said, I quote her all the time. Believe, when people tell you who they yep, are, believe them the first time. Oh, yes. that's my, my And 
It, <laughs> I love my. I am my Angela. <laughs> I love my. <laughs> so, but that I've had to learn the hard way. Yeah, I mean, I, and I think we all do that, though. I mean, yeah. I think you sort of you get kicked in the face three or four times, and then you go, "Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> fool I me once." Go. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so two final, really kind of controversial questions. Super important questions. Oh like a lot of pressure. A lot of nervous feeling. Yeah. Do you consider a hot dog a sandwich? <sighs> this is <laughs> same. It's the same reaction. It's this question that has perplexed the philosophers for years. <laughs> no. A hot dog's a hot dog. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, agreed. Toilet paper, over or under? Oh my God, it has to be rolling over the roll. Yes. Yes. But yes. I have a lot of weird, I have amazing amount of weird things. <laughs> like when I'm, so every morning we have a routine. I believe in routines. I believe that you are not able to be a happy person unless you can put yourself on automatic pilot. And I believe structure is a therapeutic tool. The same things need to occur. So every morning, you know, we wake up at a certain time, take the dog out, and then I go down and make coffee and I bring it back up to bed. And Nelson and I read the news in bed with the dog. My coffee cup, when I make coffee, has to be on the left side <laughs> all the time. Okay, we call that OCD. Yeah, I have a lot of that. And I, and I have morning coffee cups and evening coffee cups. Like I actually do too, morning yeah. and afternoon. Yeah. yeah, and Nelson would bring out the cup. I said, that's, a, that's not an evening coffee cup. That's a morning cup. I can't drink coffee. What the hell are you doing? What is this, chaos? <laughs> it's anarchy. That might be my favorite thing I've heard is that you, not the coffee cup, but that you go up and you have breakfast. I mean, coffee. Bre- I'm yeah. already past a breakfast. Coffee a in hooker. bed and read what, with yeah. a hooker. Yeah, we, we read the news, read the real estate sites. I love it. It's adorable. And he makes groaning noises. He'll go, uh. I'm like, what? Why did somebody post on Facebook that's making you groan? That's his news? Is that what he's? <laughs> yeah. Uh. His stories. That's awesome. All right. Well, I think we're at time, but thank you so much, Steve. Oh, that was, was awesome. So I said it was an exciting opportunity to look behind the curtain of a podcast and see how it happens. I know. This what is did so you think? Exciting. That was fine. <laughs> Except, again, I'm going to say, 19 minutes of talking that didn't get recorded. Pure gold. Oh, my Pure God. It was, gold. it was world secrets. It was like, <laughs> Yeah, tune know, in next time. Maybe it'll happen again. How to turn You'll lead be on into, again, Steve. Lead into gold. It was like all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Steve's going to be a recurring guest. <laughs> oh, yeah. God. He'll be our pop-in guest. <laughs> all right. Cheers. cheers. Thanks cheers. for listening. Thanks, cheers. Thanks. See you next time. I never